This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 40. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts... Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick, and I am joined by my co-host, Lisa Clow of La Cree Fine Art. Hi, Lisa. Ah, oh, you ruined it. What? <laughs> I was so ready. Ready? Ready for what? You're never I'm, better. I'm sure I don't know. I'm never better, too. Good. <laughs> So this is a show about the art of colored pencils, where we discuss tips, techniques, shortcuts, and all the nitty-gritty of this medium that we love so much. So Lisa, what are we talking about today? We are continuing on with tips for building your own website for showcasing your artwork. Yeah, so we talked about last week the idea that you do need a website. You need your own place to house your information, and instead of just relying on a social media platform. And so today we wanted to kind of follow up that conversation and talk about, um, go just slightly deeper, talk about themes and plugins in in particular, and then just some gotchas and some things to look out for. Right, Lisa? Yeah. Okay, so let's start off with some of the things that you should and should definitely not do when designing your website. And really, we're talking more about the design. I mean, I'm not going to go into all the technical stuff because I know that gets very boring. But as far as design, there are a few things that you need to really not be doing on your site. One, watch out for the colors that you're using. Don't use bold, bright colors that are going to detract from your artwork. The website is about your artwork, not the website. I totally agree. I mean, the website is just supposed to be the container. It's the calling card. It is your online presence to show and to showcase who you are as an artist. Okay, If if you're uh, presenting your work out there, then that's what you want to be the focal point. Right? Yeah, and with the colors, of try to go muted. Try to keep it very soft. Don't Absolutely. do, I mean, you can go really basic and go solid white, and that can look nice. I don't personally like solid white, so I do use more colors on mine, and I do push that envelope a little on what is safe and what is a little too bold on color-wise. If you guys check out my website, which we will have linked in the video description. Look a little plug for myself there, huh? But the, the point is, I'm good. right at the edge. I would not push that any further, and even mine, I probably could tone down a little bit. I won't. But I mean, I probably could. But even though I have the bolder colors for the background because I use the teal and aqua colors, the the writing, the area where any font is going to go is either white or pale gray. So it's very easy to read. That is something that you need to consider. Don't web, Black websites look nice for artwork, but when people have to read the font, which we'll go into later on why you need to have text on your website, it's really hard for a lot of people to read. Bright yellow yeah. writing on black. Yeah, it shows up, but it'll give people a headache. You want, but, and it looks terrible, but you don't want to be doing things like that that are just super bold. I know we're artists. I know we want to get creative, but keep the creativity for your artwork more than your website. Yeah, you know, if you're doing black with uh, yellow font, I mean, unless you're designing a site for the Steelers, then still no, you know, try to stay away. No, from you that. can do it for your logo, but you need to have you keep a pale background with the dark writing because people aren't going to be able to read it. 
Right. Now, that stark contrast that you were uh, alluding to there, um, yeah, it starts to look like a fun house, and it, it just starts to unnerve people. Mm-hmm. And unknowingly, or I should say maybe subconsciously, they don't know why, but they're a little irritated. And so th- this is what's known as user experience. And when they come to your site, you know, unless you're using like, like uh, you were saying, Lisa, white and then something that is just extremely pale type of text on top of that or yeah. you know, white on white may not work. They wouldn't be able to see it because white text with white background. Just kidding. But if you used white and like a very, very pale uh, muted um, cream or, or tan or something like that or a, a brown color or something, it, it could still be difficult to read. It could be annoying to people and they may not even it may not register why they're annoyed but what may happen is they may not come back yeah and that's what we don't want and the other thing you want to remember too i mean you're probably many of you if you're building your website you're going to be selling your artwork if you're using bold red in your background most people their walls in their houses are going to be a little bit more neutral and so you're going to appeal to a larger group by using the more muted colors now yeah sometimes a painting well, would look like amazing a fun on house red, but you're, yeah, yeah, you want to try to hit or appeal to as many viewers as possible and as many people as possible. And most people, the majority of homes have white or muted colored walls, maybe an accent yeah. wall here or there, but they're going to be able to visualize that artwork in their home better if it's up against colors that are going to be more similar to what's in their home. Yeah. And it just goes to that whole thing where the bumper, the chrome, everything around your uh, what you're presenting on your website needs to be toned down. I mean, it doesn't need to look like a fun house. Yeah. You know, you don't need to excite everybody like, hey, here we are. And, uh, you know, here's the bouncy house over here and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, animations, videos that. that play automatically when you enter a website. That sort of thing can really turn people off. So watch out for Animated. That. Animated GIFs yeah, and anything like that. music and that'll fun. play I mean, automatically. Yeah, flapping butterflies are adorable, just not on <laughs> websites. Not anymore. I mean, that, that was really cool. In 1998. Back about, yeah, about <laughs> 98. <laughs> That's right. So let's talk about fonts for a second. One of the things that I kind of see that is easily correctable is just go with a good classic font, nothing that is too traditional, nothing that, that looks like, you know, you're typing out a business letter, but nothing that is too fun either um now you may be wondering what i what what i'm talking about and here's what i'm going to do for those of you the two of you that are extremely interested in that (laughs) i'm (laughs) i'm gonna put um some of the fonts that i think are good for a website uh in the in the show notes and uh, you can go there. And I'm not going to say what those are because this lives on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And I want the opportunity to go back and update that <laughs> well, three of in us case I'm so wrong you know, we'll be in a year Because I so. think I really want to check that out too. Very quickly, and I think this this will stand the test of time. Please don't go with Serif Sands or Arial or Comic Sans or Aww, any of those that's totally what I'm using. <laughs> Times New Roman. Let's not do that. I mean, you know, let's go with something... And if anyone, you know, if you want to be bored out of your gourd, but you want to learn design just really well, go over and look at the Apple uh, keynote that they did where they introduced the San Francisco font. And one where you said they talked and for like four hours about one font. 
Yeah, it was exciting. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> take a take a look at that one. And um, you know, th- this is a cutting edge design company. I mean, that's Apple has been uh, yeah. really good with design. So now here's the nice thing, though. We're talking about font and changing your font, and when you do that, it's if you're using something like WordPress and you've got this content management system, it is so easy to change your font across the board on every page of your website. The way that I used to build my websites with HTML, I would have to go through each individual page, and I had about 101 pages, because, like literally, I think that's exactly how many I had, because I'd have a new page for each painting. It was a nightmare to go through and edit stuff like that. But these days, you guys who are just starting out with websites, it may seem overwhelming to you, but it's actually your starting off, it's a way easier way to start than what I did. So with this, it's so easy when you do get to the point where you're messing around with and adjusting your fonts or adjusting your colors, it is really easy to do compared to what it used to be. Mm -hmm. Now, a couple of quick tips here. If you are using WordPress, and I think Lisa and I are pretty much in agreement there that, you know, I I read something, um, Lisa, not that long ago that said that 25% 25% of all websites are built on the WordPress uh, platform. That's huge. I think that's because the grow rest, too. Well, it is growing, but I mean, that's, you know, one in four. The rest of the websites are built on this, all these other platforms. So there's no other one that is that high. Um, so it is the leader. More websites are built on that platform than any other. The the rest of them take up all these little tiny percentages. Yeah. One of the and so oh. it's huge. And developers are are uh, developing for this platform. And so th- this is the thing that to keep in mind then that you know if you're on that platform that it's going to be maintained. It's going to be supported. You're going to have plugins that you can always use. And there's going to be so much information out there. All you got to do is Google it, YouTube it, find Yeah. And you can literally just problems. type in whatever problem you're having. I yeah. keep getting logged out on WordPress, my, or, you know, keep getting logged out on my WordPress site or my, how do I add a page on WordPress? How do I right. change a theme on WordPress? And there is so much information because there are so many users. Now, I want to pull back the curtain just a second because I want to talk about one little thing. This won't take but a minute or less. But I wanted to say something that I did see uh, someone have a problem with where they were having problems get in, getting into their dashboard. And uh, they were not able to pass their credentials to uh, their site and get in. Uh, their their uh, user ID and, and uh, password is what I mean by credentials. And so they were getting uh, an error message. Okay, quick fix for that. As soon as you set up your, you go into your dashboard, as soon as you set up your WordPress site, the first thing you want to do is go into that left panel there where it says users, go in there, go to add new and add a new user. And you can even give it administrative rights if you want to, and then use that one all the time and don't get rid of the other one. But if you have a problem logging in, you forgot you know, your password or whatever it is, then all you got to do is switch over to that other user ID. Yeah, and just for, for those who are like dashboard, what are you talking about? When you're using WordPress, the dashboard is where you do all of your editing. It's where all of your themes are stored, everything. And it's really very easy to, again, e- I say easy. What I really mean is it's a heck of a lot easier than what they used to be when we used to do the HTML building. But yeah. the dashboard is where we do all of the edits. It's where, like, if I'm going to write a blog post, I go, there's a section where I just click 
create new blog posts. It's all spelled out. There's a lot of information, right. so sometimes you have to dig for it, but it's all spelled out pretty clearly. So it's pretty obvious what you're going to be editing or what you're changing. So that's what, when we keep using the term dashboard, that's what we mean. Yeah. Now, another thing to know about that, here's something that I always talk to people. I do this at work too. I talk to people if they're learning a new technology. One of the things, especially with WordPress, is it, <laughs> put a little caveat in here. Okay. It is nearly, it is next to impossible, Lisa, to go in there and mess something up. Okay. Um, if Even if you go into appearance and you go into edit CSS, all right. If you have this one little teeny tiny safeguard in place, if you just make a backup of everything you're doing, and it doesn't it doesn't take long to make a backup. Okay. If you go into your appearance though, and you get frustrated with some of the things that you're able to change and customize, but you want to do a little bit more, if you go into the CSS, it's very simple to just go in there and change something. But before you do that, all you got to do. Over on the right-hand side, there's a little button that says Save Style Sheet. Just click that button and save everything in the current state that it's in. Put a date on it and put it in your file system. You'll know exactly where that is. So if you mess something up, um, go ahead and uh, revert back to uh, that state that you had it in. You know what I do personally? And, okay, you shouldn't depend on your hosting company for doing the backups. You should do it yourself. But... I'm terrible and I don't. I have deleted oh, my entire web the, my entire WordPress install. I accidentally deleted when I was trying to delete a duplicate of something else because I had two installs on my web. That, that's a whole other thing because I was running two websites. But anyway, I deleted the entire thing. My whole website, poof, gone. I at like two in the morning contacted my my web hosting company and they within an hour had it all back. All from the backup. Everything was back up. I didn't lose anything. Um, so the who you're using is your hosting company. We've talked we talked about this last week, but your hosting company really does make a big difference. That's one of the reasons I've stuck with mine for as long as I have because they are so amazing at fixing my screw ups. But the point is having a good hosting company matters because if you, yeah, because you if got, I was with gonna, GoDaddy, they oh, would have charged me one hundred fifty dollars to. This is different. Trashing GoDaddy today. Okay. Who did I trash last week? I'm kidding. You trash them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> They're horrible. They're so horrible. Okay, John, let's talk about plugins. What is a plugin? Okay, so a plugin is actually just a small uh, feature set program that is performing a specific function that allows you to do certain tasks within your website. If you're using Jetpack, um, Jetpack has several different functionalities that you can take advantage of. And one of those in particular is the forms in case you want to collect like an email address uh, or offer something to your audience, uh, to a visitor to your page. It provides you with this little application behind the scenes, just kind of like, kind of like Lisa, uh, when we think about applications on our phone, exactly. right? On a smartphone. That is exactly so, what it is. Okay. So, now that we kind of covered, just skim the surface there of what a plugin is, Lisa, where do they go to find these? 
Most of mine come from WordPress itself. If you are within your dashboard, there's a section that you can go to, you click on the button that says plugins, and there's a section where you can search for some or add new. And I search just with what is listed through WordPress. And there's a star rating, so we can check and see if you know people are giving feedback. Mm-hmm. Is it working with this version of WordPress? Is this person updating regularly? Does this one not quite do what it says it's going to do? There's a lot of reviews there where you can see right now is it going to work and you have free versions and paid versions you can also go to third-party sites and pick up plugins as well and a lot of those you can get some of them are going to be free and some are not going to be free now there are a few things that you want to watch for though you don't want to just be randomly downloading and installing every plugin that you can get there are definitely some things that would be considered red flags yeah, now one of the things, I mean, th- those are good points, that, and just to piggyback on that very quickly, um, one of the one of the things to keep in mind is these are programs that are being updated and tested and released by developers, and so developers, believe it or not, are known to abandon projects from time to time. <gasps> Shocking, I know, <laughs> but uh, that's that's the reason why some of your apps stop working on your phone, and you have to get rid of it. So. Look at that kind of thing. Look at the reviews, like Lisa said, and make sure that a lot of people have used this. Don't grab one that only 20 people have downloaded. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with this and you want to stay within a safe uh, range here. Just like you would then, with apps on your phone. You don't want to yeah, be absolutely. the beta tester. Right. Yeah, so you want to look at um, what version of WordPress is required you know that that's just a, a base level uh, thing that you want to want to make sure. And they'll tell you with, when doing. you download them on through WordPress through like I was saying, it'll have there works with your version or not tested with your version. That information is all spelled out for you there. Yeah, you want to use the philosophy of last in, first out. So whatever the last change was that you made, that'll be the first thing to go. That's the process that you want to use in debugging your program. And when you install one, then one of the things you want to do is go ahead and test and give yourself maybe a week, maybe longer, before you add another plugin. Oh, that because, is such a big deal. Yeah, because if something breaks, don't do what I do a lot of times. And I just go in and add whatever I want. Uh, sometimes I don't take my own advice. There's, there are safeguards and there are um, workflows in place for a reason. And so... Do as I say, don't do as I do. <laughs> Make sure you always test it and give it some time because if it does break something, and it's not going to break the thing that you think it's going to break. It's going to break something else, maybe totally unrelated. Yeah, they don't all play nicely with each other. You may have right. one one plugin that works perfectly. Everything's great. You get another plugin and that one screws up the other plugin. So you may think right. that the one's broken when really it's the new one that you just installed that screwed everything up. So if you've installed... 10 plugins on the same day, you're not going to know what's messing what up. And you may not have them mess anything up. It's been, it's very rare that I've had anything mess anything up. Very, very rare. But it does happen and enough so that you, it's still a good idea. You know, like John was saying, give it a week, install your plugin, make sure it's doing what you want it to before you install additional plugins because you don't want a million anyway. I see people get really excited and they're like, oh, I want a plugin for this and this and this and that can cause some problems. Yeah, bang on it for a week, though. Don't just have it in there and no one visit the page. You know, go in there, bang on it, and uh, test it is what I'm meaning by that. And try to break it. Try to make it do, you know, do something you haven't done in your site for a while. 
and use a variety of browsers. Browser, um, that's a big The one. browser is a big deal, though. You want to use Opera, Chrome, IE, or Internet Explorer 9, even though 9 isn't supported anymore. You still want to use it. Uh, use version 10. Use version 11. Use Firefox. Make sure you use Safari, too. The main things that I use are Chrome, Firefox, Safari and Internet Explorer. If you can make sure those are your top four, five or four, there are others that people use too, but make sure it the very minimum that you open your website within each of these browsers and make sure that it looks right. It's easier to deal with now with WordPress. It was a bigger deal back when I used to do the HTML. I would have a website look beautiful on Chrome. I would open it in Internet Explorer and things were all over the page. It didn't, nothing lined up right. It was a horrible, horrible mess. That's not as big of a deal anymore with working in WordPress, but it still does occasionally happen. So at the very minimum, do those are the probably the top four most used browsers. But like what John was saying, test as many as possible is good. I'm one of those who does not. I'm like, yeah, those four, I'm good. I'm done. But test, definitely test on mobile because uh, that will hurt your uh, Google search rank if you're not optimized for mobile. So, John, how many plugins do you think is safe for somebody to use on their website before it starts to slow the whole website down? Because too many, just like having too many apps on your phone, things start not running quite nicely. How many would you think for a website are safe? Okay, now here's the thing about that. You want to use as few as possible. You don't need five plugins for SEO. You don't need two or three for uh, displaying your images. Some of the performance, Lisa, may not always be due to a a whole bunch of plugins, but you want to go with as few as possible. I would say try to keep it under 10. I've had more than 28 before, but that's not real good. I wouldn't recommend that. Try to go with as few as possible. I'm currently using 12, and I think if I went through, I could probably get rid of a few because one of my themes, I think, does what some of these these plugins do. One other tip I have for yeah. you with your plugins. Every single time you download a plugin, you need to keep a notebook and make a list of everything that you're using that plugin for. This is something that I wish I had done early on because I cannot tell you how many times I uninstalled a plugin thinking, oh, I'm not using that one for anything. And it screwed up my entire website because it turned out I was using it for a lot, but I forgot or mixed up the names between different plugins. So now I keep a list. I had to go back through and figure out exactly what every single one of my plugins do. So every time- It's easy to do. Yeah, every time you download a new plugin, Make sure you you log that information because even though it, I can look through mine and I'm like, okay, Max Galleria, Monarch plugin, see CAPTCHA, anti-spam. I can look and see what that is, but what exactly am I using those for? Mm-hmm. You may think that you're going to remember, but trust me, you will not. No, you won't. And it's easy enough to do that like in an Excel uh, workbook. Uh, just do a cross tab, you know, say plug in over on the top column and then in the row, uh, maybe the date and the name and that kind oh, of I'm not thing. even that fancy. I've got a little notebook next to my desk that I write down well, all my notes for my website stuff. And I just jot everything down in there. Okay. There you go. Simplify. Passwords it. included? Huh? Passwords in there too? Yes, they are actually. Okay. Next time when I sneak over there and blunt all your <laughs> pencils for making fun of my, my salutation, never never better, I'll, uh, I'll have to grab all your passwords. All yeah, right. they're not passwords so, for good websites. Like, I don't have passwords for my bank or anything like that. They're just passwords for, like, little oh, random, shoot. like, yeah, nothing that's going to be too fun for you. You could probably find my Pandora password in there. Oh, okay. Steal all <laughs> your, your radio stations. Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked about um, some do's and don'ts. So one more thing, just... 
one more of the do's and don'ts to watch for. Do not make your font go from one end of the screen to the other. This is so hard for people to read and it looks terrible anyway. Think more like a magazine. Try to get your website to feel a little bit more like a magazine page where you've got these little blocks of text, blocks of images instead of an image or a text that goes all the way from one end mm-hmm. to the other. Those are just impossible to read. They're very unattractive. All around just don't look good. But if you, again, think of it as a magazine, it makes it easier to kind of put things together. So the next thing we want to watch for are mobile themes. Why is this important? Okay, this is very important because Google has said they came out in 2014, late 2014, and announced that in some time in the near future, and it was three months later or so, they were not. They were going to start considering a website that was not mobile optimized, and that is to say that if your site did not present very well on a mobile phone or a tablet or something along those lines, not a desktop or a laptop computer, that they were going to start dropping in search rank. And it's more than that. It's not just about, oh, it looks good because my old website looked great on a mobile phone. It looked like the website did on the computer, but everything lined up fine. Everything was fine. Google said that wasn't good enough. They wanted a mobile theme, a separate site, basically. It it ends up looking different on a mobile device than it does on a regular one. Yeah, because... Yeah, because you're yeah because you're using your finger to touch everything, mm-hmm. and and you want that experience to be nice and and easy and something that is manageable for a hand yeah. rather I, than a mouse. I personally kind of hate this because I don't like mobile things. Every time I'm on a website on my phone, now I've got a huge phone, but every time I'm on a website, I always choose the desktop one because I, you know, change to desktop theme because I hate the mobile themes. But Google what says we nerd. need, it, and half of our viewers, <laughs> huh? I said, what a nerd. I know. Half of our viewers, our visitors to our website, are going to be on a, a mobile device. So Yeah, you're right about that. This, it, it, look at your stats, people, if you haven't. I mean, that, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, this is a big It is deal. about half now. Even people acting on your website and doing things, making comments or whatever, it's about half. Yeah. So, Okay, Lisa, let's go ahead and take a break. When we get back, we want to talk about something that is extremely or vitally important to consider whenever you're setting up your website. Lisa, I know we've talked about Audible before, but I wanted to tell you about something kind of exciting. They just came out with the Harry Potter series. You remember that series by J.K. Rowling? Yeah. Of course I remember it. It's playing in my studio almost all the time, or the movies are anyway. Awesome. They've got all seven novels from The Sorcerer's Stone to Deathly Hollows, and it's now available at audible.com so for our listeners if you go there you can get a 30-day free trial that comes complete with a free audio download of any book of your choice and that's it audibletrial.com slash cp podcast are you uh you've been listening to anything interesting lisa i my book that i look forward to every year chronicles of elantra the newest in the series came out and it was pretty meh. I was not <laughs> loving this one. I've, I've got, I can't lie. It was a little disappointing. It felt like it lasted about 30 hours and it turned out it was only a 15 hour book, which oh, was no. shocking. 
So, yeah, I may need to try these Harry Potter ones, though, because I need something to make up for that one. Well, look, guys, they have over 180,000 titles to choose from. So if you you find some that are meh, you can move move along and find one that you really like. And you can put this on your iPhone, your your Android, your Kindle, your whatever MP3 player you use. You can use your desktop. I listen to it through my – yeah, I listen through the desktop a lot. So many different ways of consuming uh, these audiobooks. So again, that URL is audibletrial.com slash cppodcast. All right, we're back. So Lisa, what do you think? I mean, what is, what is one or two things that somebody should really focus on or pay attention to when they're stylizing their There's a word that you're, you're thrown site? out a lot or thrown around a lot when you listen to marketing podcasts or any, you're reading things about marketing, business and marketing. And if you're trying to sell your artwork, these are definitely things you want to be paying attention to. But that is call to action. What is your call to action? Meaning when somebody comes to your website, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to come and leave? No. So how are you going to get them to stay? When you get them, and it's not just about getting them to stay. It's about what you want them to do. I'm going to use myself as an example here. When people go to my website, I want them to read my blog posts and I want them to see that, well, I actually have several calls to action. Read the blog post, sign up for my email list read about Patreon, read about other products that I have available for sale or my original paintings. These are what I want people to get when they come to my website. You don't so need how that do you do that? Well, you, how do you do first, that? You don't need that many calls to action. It can be something as simple as getting someone's email address. Just you need to figure out to start with at least one call to action. What do you want them to do? So let's say your main call to action is that you want them to sign up for your email list. Then you need to make sure that that is really obvious when they come to your first page. There needs to be a section there for them to sign up for that email list. Or if you've got paintings for sale, you need to very well, very clearly present what our artwork that you have so they can see that that is something they're interested in and where they go to buy it. If they have to jump around and click eight different links to even find that you have artwork for sale, you've lost them. You're gone. So you've got to really consider. And whatever it is that you want them to do for that call to action, they need to be able to get there in no more than one click. If they have to click to your shop and now they have to choose, do I want to buy a watercolor? Do I want to buy colored pencil? Do I want to? No, you've, you you just lost them. One click. Right. If it takes more than one click to get to any of your calls to action, you're, you're too, too many. Now, and this matters also because of search engine optimization. And I'll, and I'll tell you why very, very quickly. There's an algorithm that Bing and Google use to decide whether or not they're going to serve up your page when somebody types in words to uh, form a query or uh, you know, they're entering keywords. Does your uh, does your page or your site rank for those keywords? And if it does, then they're going to serve that up. But here's something that that Lisa, you alluded to that um, that happens if you don't have a clear CTA call to action, and that is bounce rate. If somebody goes to your site, they're so overwhelmed, they're so confused, and they look around, they're like. Okay, they want me to do this, and they want me to do that. They want me to go look at this artwork, but they want me to also go see this video. They want me to go and uh, sign up for the email list, and they also want me to do that. There's nothing where you're directing them and you're forcing them, and often people call this a squeeze page. What's that mean? It means I am going to squeeze them into, going to twist their arm into doing, it sounds really painful, but it's just, it's just a, a cutesy way of saying I'm trying to get them to do one thing. Whatever that one thing is, it needs to be abundantly clear just to 
um, uh, to, to underline your point there. Yeah, for like, let's say your email list, which is very important and something I'm sure we'll talk about in the future. But let's right. say you've got your email list. If they have a hard time finding where to sign up for that email list, th- that's not a good thing. And one thing that I can right. give, or a huge tip I will give you, have your mom or your uncle or somebody, anybody, you know, somebody who's not really great with the computer or I'm making assumptions. No, I'm I'm assuming because my mom's not that great with computer. (laughs) But if you have somebody who is, you know, get a family member, a friend who you wouldn't consider really tech savvy. And when you put your website together, have go stand over their shoulder if, if at all possible. Stand there and watch them go through your website. Tell them just like act like this is, is the first time I've been to my you've been to this site. An excellent tip. Yeah. And excellent. watch what they click on. Watch what yeah. they find interesting yeah. because this will help you to better form what changes you might want to make. Did they click on something that really isn't that important? Then that lets you know your main call to action. Let's pretend that's your email list. If that's getting skipped over, then you need to revise how you've got this set up. Yeah, because it may be clear to you, mm-hmm. may be clear to me what the, the call to action is, but someone may tell you, no, when I went to your site, I thought you wanted me to go and, and click on this video. Yeah. Or no, I couldn't when find I went this to your information. Site, I couldn't know. find that. Right. Watch what they do. It's better if you can stand over them and watch them work on it than have That's them true. tell you because you can really see what are they looking at first? What are their eyes drawn to? Are they drawn to something? Like I said, are they drawn to your background that you don't want them focusing on? Are, right. are they not finding your menu quickly? Are they not finding – the other thing that you can ask them to do is go to my website. I want to see how long does it take you to find my paintings available for sale. If mm. they're really having to look and <laughs> can't find what it is, then you know, again, you've got to revise some stuff. Yeah, if it takes several clicks for them to get to whatever it is that you felt was abundantly clear, then that's not clear. That's like writing a run-on sentence. Um, if it took so many, you know, five or six clicks to get to wherever it is. Yeah. And that's, you know, in general, keep your website simple. Simple really is good for web design because it makes it easy for people to find what they need. Again, I go back to mine. Mine pushes that envelope. I do think that mine has a bit too much because I do so many different things. So it's hard for me to simplify it. But mine does push the envelope as far as color and as far as how much information I have on that front page. Most people, you really only need a few things. But if you, here's the other thing about having text on that front page. If you don't have anything, if you just have images, because I see this a lot on artists' websites, they'll just have their paintings on the front page and no text. Search engines don't know what you have there. You're not going to rank on search engines now because they have no idea what's in that page because there's no writing. There's nothing explaining it. Although they could put it in the header uh, text, and that still they does could, matter but it would a be better bit, if you, you're writing things in complete sentences. Google's really seen. smart no, about agree, how that is or how they do their searches. So if you're writing, you know, little paragraphs about what your website is. One thing I wanted to mention, Lisa, that if you're wondering, if you see a competitor side or not even a competitor, but uh, someone else in your space, and you want to sort of look around just a little tiny seo hack for everyone out there if you type site colon and let's just pick on lisa uh i don't want anybody picking on my site because this is not going to end well mine is horrendous (laughs) but anyway i need to take all this advice and listen to it two or three times lisa while i'm editing so that i can change my site but (laughs) if you if you type in site colon lockery l-a-c-h-r-i dot com and hit enter um, what you'll find is something pretty remarkable uh, if you didn't know about this trick, and that is that Lisa has 907 uh, different uh, pages on her site. All right, so the other thing is that if 
you know, you're wanting to put up a link to something in a blog post or in any kind of text that you're putting on your site, one of the things, and I, I probably have not, I probably did not do this a couple of times. I try to do it every time. Make sure that you're not, uh, make sure that it is spawning a new window, that your HTML tag is uh, spawning a new window and not replacing uh, the window that you're in because then you're just directing somebody to another site and it replaces your website. Now, just a quick word, Lisa, before we go about search engine optimization. And when we're talking about that, we're talking about the organic or free searching that comes through keywords where the search engines have algorithmically, uh, easy for me to say, (laughs) use algorithms to determine what to serve up to the client. Okay, so... A couple of things I'm just going to throw out here really quick, and I'll put them in the show notes And for those two or three people that are interested, is uh, SEMrush is a good one to do your keyword research with, and um, the Moz Toolbar is another good one. WebsiteAdvantage.com AU, the, the Google uh, SERP emulator. Those, those are good ones to use, and uh, Longtail Pro is also is also a good one. That That is a paid product, though, but... Um, But that's a good one if you're wanting to increase uh, your searchability online. And uh, there's, I mean, whole books, whole courses and everything are written about this kind of stuff. And you'll see. Just to get your feet wet. Just a warning. You guys are going to find services that you can pay that claim you're going to rank higher on the search engines. Uh, Don't do this. Yeah, some of that snake oil. Yeah, don't do that. And you want to do it organically. Google you is want smart to, enough to know when it's that versus real, and they want the real stuff. You do stuff like that. They're going to promise you and it all of these dubious you on the search engines. Yeah, you do not want to be penalized from Google. And it can happen, especially if you go with one of these shady companies that say, oh, we're going to serve you up all these hundreds of backlinks. If they're not the right backlinks and Google does know the difference, then, yeah, you could drop in search results. You could actually be – you could vanish off the face of the earth, not you physically, but your website because you could be penalized from Google. And it may be something you could never overcome with your URL. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so just, you know, that's just something to, to keep in mind. And I do want to say too, I know all the stuff we're talking about seems overwhelming and you're like, oh my gosh, I need so much stuff. You know what? Keep it simple. All you need keep, is your homepage. You need a gallery. A blog is a good idea. Not necessary, but I do recommend it for several reasons, which we've t- I think we've talked about before. You need a mm-hmm. contact page. And you need an about the artist page. That's it. That's really all you need. Don't do, don't get overwhelmed by thinking, oh my gosh, I need to do all of these things and it needs so much stuff. It doesn't. Keep it as simple as possible. And like we talked about last week, you know, you can set, you can get yourself set up on a free to nearly free website at first. And actually, you know, I've developed sites and I'm working on switching over uh, sharpenedartist.com to a WordPress site, but I haven't released that yet. I'm still on, on um, Squarespace. And, uh, but I've done development work on Squarespace for other clients in the past. And so I'm, I just got kind of lazy and just started doing everything <laughs> on Squarespace and figuring it out, you know, and traveling through some of the things. But actually, Squarespace and some of these other ones that are very uh, inexpensive to get started with, um, you, they, they're a full-blown-out content management system, and you can, you can stay with them. But the other thing about it is you can get a website done – you know, two or three pages, what the bare essentials, very quickly, very easily, without any type of programming at all or coding. 
uh, within, you know, a couple of hours, to be honest about it. Yeah. So. All right. Well, um, what do you think? You want to wrap up, Lisa? Anything else? There's a lot more information we can share, but I think right. we've bored everyone thoroughly enough. This is like a, the equivalent of a really long yep. history lesson, to be honest. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's do a history lesson right here, right now. Go for it. Another 30 minutes. <laughs> All right. So if you guys would like to, con- well, you know what we can do, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue on some of these as long as we get some feedback and hear what you guys are interested in and what you want to know about. Like Lisa alluded to, we'll, we'll be covering uh, your email list and, and, um, uh, and certain other things that may be of interest um, to you as an artist. If you guys want to continue the discussion, you can post your question over there in the Colored Pencil Podcast group. If you want to view the show notes, those are at sharpenedartist.com in the podcast folder. And if you have anything that you'd like to to uh, submit to us, you can contact us, podcast at sharpenedartist.com. Thank you very much for joining us again today, and we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Okay, John, what are some of the worst things you've seen in websites? Uh, the sappy little slogans like changing the world one drawing at a time. <laughs> I hate the welcome to my website. Uh, the, yeah, I, I know I'm welcome. That's you welcome. made a website. I know I'm welcome here. You don't have Thank to tell me. Thank you for me. coming here. Yeah. Animated gifts. Those drive me absolutely bananas. I mean, this isn't Tumblr. See, people telling you to please look around. Really? Is that what I'm supposed <laughs> to do? Stay here. Enjoy. Uh, Music. I'm your, I'm your virtual butler. Microsoft uh, images of the little um, generic black-looking blue man group guy kind of guys, you know, that people put in bad um, PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Ugh. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. For a different show. No, no. I mean, I was actually, that was my lead-in. Oh, okay. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Good job, though. It uses MySQL, and I don't, I no, don't know that no, our audience we're gonna is going to care heck out of everybody that. there. Yeah, it's performance. Now, that's something that people ask all the time. Now, I recommend. Wait, should we talk about what that, a plugin is first? Oh yeah, I guess we probably should. Good call there, Lisa. All right. Um, there was one thing I wanted. Crap. What was it? Um, oh, my brain just shut down. It was. Not allowed think, to do that. Think. Today. Think. And it was important.